So we're ending tonight a series we've been on for a while, ever since our vision night, uh, 17th of February. We have been on Wednesday night ministering on foundations. And as we begin this, as we begun the series, um, I talked to you about <clears throat> three foundations that were vital for the success of people's lives. We talked about the scripture out of Matthew 7 that Jesus compared a man who built his house on the rock and a strong foundation, that man would be able to withstand the storms of life. The one that didn't build, the one that built on the sand, he would be overtaken. And, and the same storms hit both people. But one built on a foundation and a solid rock and the other didn't. And I can't tell you how important that that story is to all of our lives, but that we embrace the revelation of that story, not just the fact that it's a story, but there's a revelation in that. And we need solid, strong foundation in our hearts to withstand the storms that come. We're not storm-free people, we're, we become storm-proof. In other words, we can handle the storm. The, the, the same winds and the same water and the same tsunami hit both houses. One was totally annihilated and the other stood strong. So storms come, things come, stuff happens. But when we've got solid foundation, we, can, we, we overcome all the time. Sometimes it doesn't seem like that you're overcoming because of the things that you're dealing with or going through, but we go through them and we don't camp out in them and we don't allow them to overtake us, right? And... In this series, we started out with, well, there were three main foundations, faith, the Word, and church and community. And under faith, which we defined as a faith statement that every person should have in their heart, that, that you should have faith in Christ, faith and confidence in what true repentance is, faith in water baptism, faith in being filled with the Holy Spirit, and faith and confidence in the importance of the local church. Those were the five things under the heading of faith that creates a faith statement. And as I've told you before, you can go on our website to Gates of the City and go to our podcast and go to iTunes, and all of these messages on foundation are there, plus messages for the last four or five years are on there also. And you can download all those. But it'd be real important, it's real important to have these foundational truths. Whether you've been saved or born again for a day or for 30 years, you can grow in greater understanding and revelation of the foundations that must be in our lives to withstand issues and things that come. Um, the second was, uh, the second uh, foundation was the Word of God. And under the, the Word, we talked about uh, hearing the Word, the importance of hearing. Faith comes by hearing the Word. And then the second uh, was memorizing or studying the Word of God. So important to have, have a, a regimen that, is, that, is, that, that you work on that is being developed on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, we can, we can be faithful at a lot of things, but we need to be faithful at studying and memorizing and confessing the Word of God and making it a part of our lives. 
You know, because the more you meditate on something like, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and that of a sound mind. The more you meditate on things like that instead of on negative things, because you're going to hear one thing or the other out there. You either surround yourself with the Word and surround yourself with the confession of the Word, and you find yourself saying and declaring things that God says instead of what everybody else says, when you surround yourself with that, you're building a a strong foundation that's able to have something when stuff comes, when fear comes. You're able to combat fear because you've been meditating and listening to it. These are foundational truths. This is like first year of college. You know, first year First couple of years of college, you try to get all your, your foundational classes out of the way. And today, I mean, you know, people take them early on, even in high school. But you try to get all the foundational things out of the way. Well, I'm telling you, you don't get foundation in the Word out of the way. It's something that becomes a part of you that needs to be strengthened all the time because the more you listen to truths like this, the more able that you are to handle anything in your life that comes. It doesn't matter what it is. And so I can't tell you enough how important it is to meditate on these truths. And, and, and then the third was acting on the Word. And then last week, under church and community, we just talked about the revelation and the importance of the church, of the local church. It's very clear in Scripture how important that the church is and the purpose of the church. And tonight, we're going to talk about community. Church and community is another foundation that we have to understand. We have to understand the importance of the church, but then we've got to understand the importance of what the church's purpose is, and it is to connect with community, to connect with culture and community, the culture of our area and the community that's attached to the culture. And Whatever in the culture needs to change that God wants changed in our area, that we're busy about changing culture. And, and you change culture one person at a time. You don't, you don't change culture by a big rally or something. You don't change the culture of, a, of an area by, you know, by devising some great plan and trying to get everybody to get on board. It's not about getting on board, it's about changing the inward thinking of people. And that's why you've got to believe in the Word, and you've got to have the faith statement in your heart so that you can make a difference in the lives of others. Because I'm telling you, there's people everywhere that have no foundation. They don't know who they are, they don't know where they're going, they don't understand vision, they have no real purpose and plan, and and so many people, the plan for their life is what other people have told them. So many people, their destinies are tied to maybe what just somebody that really didn't know any better, you know, or something that seemed right or seemed good for them. Well, the Bible says there's a way that seems right that the end can be destruction. We don't want destruction. We want things to be right and we want things to work out. And God gave us the Holy Spirit as we've been talking about on Sunday. God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us. And He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us two ways. Number one, to help us, but then He gave us the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to help us so we can help others. 
And the way we, in, the way we, we connect with community is, is through the word we're going to use tonight that we used in our, vision, in our vision night back in February, is the word engage. Engage. And I want to give you... Um, I want to give you several definitions of this word engage. To engage is to entangle, to interlock with, to mesh together. In the dictionary, one of the a statement where the word engage was used is the troops engaged in battle with the enemy. But I like this. To engage is to attract by influence. So when we understand the church as we talked about last week, when we understand the church and the purpose of the church and we come together as the church, then we attract, we attract people by influence. And, and, and so it's not, it's not trying to drag people into this place, but the purpose of the church is to engage with the community. But if we don't have anything that's any different than the community... If you and I inside of us have nothing different than the, out there in the community, then nothing is going to change the culture of community. The culture is the way of thinking. Somebody tell me, I mean, this is just random, but somebody give me one or two words that you think describe the culture of Kerrville, Texas. Retirement. How many can say yes? Okay, yeah. You see it. Somebody else give me a word or two that describes the culture of Kerrville. Hmm? Friendly. Okay, good. What'd you say? Conservative. Right? Somebody, huh? Rehab. Come on. Come on, somebody else. Yes. Huh? Many believers. <laughs> Bible Belt. Sports oriented. Sports oriented. Very much so. This is the home of Johnny Football. Oh, yeah. Somebody else. Yes, camp. Huh? Okay. So, how many know that just about everything mentioned is good? Okay. But. You can, let, let's take what Brian said, retirement, okay? And so, you, you may be 30 or younger, and retirement seems like something that will never happen in your life, you know, or the, you know, what retirement means, the older that you get, and, you know, then, then you don't work or whatever, Okay? Retirement is a reality, and, and, and the church needs to engage retirement. We need to connect with in, re, retirees and people that are in retirement years or later on in their, in their years. 
But listen, listen to me when I say this. Retirement doesn't mean I'm finished. Retirement doesn't mean I've given up. But it does in most people's thinking. You get to a certain age and then people write you off. Check that guy off. He's over 65. Mm-mm. No, we're here to establish a Caleb generation. Caleb said, I'm stronger at 85 than I was at 45. He was a buff dude. Hmm? He was a buff daddy. He said, I'm stronger at 85 than I was at 45. Don't ever look down on older people, even if they got some really stinking attitude. See, because it's said about older people that they get older and they don't really care, and so they just act however stupid that they want to act. That's why I hear that all the time. I say no. Absolutely not. And if I see that in somebody, I combat that by not coming against them, but trying to understand them. We change culture one person at a time by being able to engage and understand where people come from. I'm just using one person as an example. What was, what was something else that somebody said? Sports-oriented, right? How many people like sports? How many people like the Spurs? Come on. Where's Fabian? <laughs> he's out. Man, he's not even in here, is he? God, I'm just going to hammer him for a minute. Um, And, and you know what? Sports is a good thing. I love sports. Been in it all my life, played it, done, I mean, watched it. I love sports. Man, you can make a God out of sports. And you know what happens? You can make a God out of sports where you forget God. You know, nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with that world, but we got to get in there and change it to where people don't get so consumed in the sports world that they forget God, but realize you can be in the sports world and be involved in all those kind of things and still have God. But you got to have people that believe that. See, if we're a church and we have this attitude, nah, you know, people that get involved in sports, they quit coming to church. So we don't like sports people around here. Well, then you're going to, you're riding off over half the town. See, but that doesn't mean that we can't have an opinion about what sports can do to somebody to overtake their life, to get them so consumed with sports that they forget about everything else and it becomes a God to them. But you have to understand how to do that. And it doesn't start with hammering somebody that they watch sport, you know, they watch ESPN, you know, 24-7. Don't start hammering them. Just tell them how good the word is that is in your heart. Be an example to them about the goodness of God. Somehow, only by the Holy Ghost will you know how to do that. But it will not happen by hammering somebody doing something that you think they shouldn't be doing. We come into my house telling me not to watch ESPN. I'll be slapping your head. Hmm? But I know how to watch ESPN and how to serve God. I know how to watch the Spurs and serve God. I know how to do it. I've worked at it because it used to be my God. 
basketball was my God. Golf was my God. It was the, you know, it's what I kind of worshipped, you know. It was just that nobody taught me any different. It's what I grew up on, and that's what I did. But I learned through the years, you can have the balance of it. And we've got to have the balance so we can engage, we can engage, we can, we can attract through influence. See? Not like the Pharisees did, but attract through influence. Jesus attracted people to him through his influence, not by hammering them. Can you say amen? So, a couple things I want you to think about tonight concerning community. The, The greatest, I want you to think about this example. The greatest example of engaging community and culture is in, I think, the greatest example, is in the fact that Jesus left heaven in all of its glory and all of its splendor and all of its riches and all of its magnificence for the poverty in comparison to this earth so that we would be blessed in all things. So look at Luke 15, and we've read this this year. It's part of the vision of what we've cast this year, the story of 99 and 1. And, and, and I want you to think about, I want you to think about Jesus in this way as we read this. Luke 15 and verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes, the religious people of the day, they complained, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. My gosh, he has a Starbucks with him. He meets him at Chili's, and there's a heathen band playing in the back. Anyway. Verse 3. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, say that, likewise, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So the question is, what are we doing? Who are we spending time with? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about spending so much time with ungodly people or people with habits and things that affect you in a negative way. I'm not talking that you just spend all your time with them. But what are you doing to influence them? We attract through influence. See? And when you look at the 99 in 1, okay, Jesus left all those in heaven. It was a whole lot more comfortable there to come to the cesspool of the earth in comparison for you. Everybody hold your finger up. 
you're just one, right? So he left the greatness of heaven for one. He left the comfort and the comfort zone to come into the storms and the obstacles of this earth. And he grew up here and he was baptized and the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and he's tempted by the devil. And he spent three, over three years on the earth in his earthly ministry, anointed by the Holy Ghost, being a blessing to people. And spending more time with tax gatherers or collectors like IRS people and, uh, and sinners than he did with religious people and even those of his own kind. He spent more time, he spent more time with people that needed help than he did with people that had all the answers because those are the ones that were attracted to him. Why? Because he had supernatural influence because he knew who he was and he was confident in it and it drew the people to him. And that's what our part is. That's how you engage with community. We don't engage with community just to party hardy and party down and have a good time, you know, and, and be like everybody else. The, the interesting thing, and I want to I make a couple of comments here in, in a couple of these verses of Scripture. The interesting thing about Jesus is that, that we see throughout the Scriptures that that nothing, and, and look at this in Ephesians 5. This is a really good verse. Notice who he hung with. He hung with a lot of, you know, interesting characters, but none of them influenced him. He influenced them. Watch what this, watch what this verse says. Verse 8 of Ephesians 5. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Rather expose them. And... You, you can take this passage however you will, but, but I'm going to explain to you what I think, okay? Because if you want a high court decision on Scripture, you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you find out what Jesus did. How did Jesus react and treat other people? Who did Jesus hang with? Where did he spend his time and what did he do? Jesus spent most of his time in church in the 30 years growing up. Most of the time he spent in church. He spent in the temple, in the synagogue, meditating and, and developing the Word of God in his life. That's the importance of church. And when his earthly ministry began, he spent time with the people engaging with community, doing what? Changing the culture one person at a time. One healing at a time and deliverance and, 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 and one teaching at a time where people's thinking begin to be changed. But never do we see in Scripture where he spent time with a drunk and he became a drunk. 
Because the Scripture says here, you were formerly darkness, but don't let darkness overtake you. Be the light that you were created to be, and instead of darkness overtaking your light, expose the darkness. See, that's how we, that's how we individually connect with other people. And, and, all right, let's take the sports world. Let's say that you become friends and one of your ones out here that, you, that we've been challenging you to go after, one of your ones you come in contact with, these people, you know, let's say, let's say Tammy comes in contact with some, with some other mom out here and she's got two or three children and, and, and she's, she's just like, you know, her head's spinning because she's running in every direction and she's got children that play soccer and she's got children that play volleyball and she's got them playing basketball in there, you know, that she's going in it's seven days a week, you know, 24-7 it almost seems like she's got no time to do anything else. Well, if Tammy connects with this woman and lets that lifestyle affect her, then it's because there's things in her that aren't right. You see what I'm saying? Because Jesus never let what other people did affect him and contaminate him and draw him away. But he never hammered people for their lives. That's why he ate with them. He spent time with them. He connected with them. See? But the anointing on the inside, and take this situation with Tammy, the anointing in her is going to teach her and show her the Holy Spirit who is the helper. He doesn't do it. He helps. He's going to help her to help this woman, see? It's not about this woman not being involved in sports and she needs to really get in church. That's not the, that, that, come on, that's not the purpose. That's not the reasoning, okay? That's not what we go after. But you go after this person to help this person get liberated. And part of that is they've got to be, they've got to develop and find some way to get some of this busyness out of their life so they can sit right here and listen to some word and make changes. How do you do that? That's the exciting part of being a Christian. Figuring out how to tap that person. You know what? You say, well, you know, I've been working on them for six weeks and nothing's happened. Oh, man, what endurance. I mean, it may take you a couple of years. It may take you a while. But all along, what you're doing is you're, you're engaging in developing relationship. And in relationship is what? What happens when you develop relationship with someone? You develop trust, right? And when somebody trusts you, and then one day something just hits the right way and, and you're just sitting there with them and, hey, we got something going on at church you know, and you need to come and just listen to it. And they come and, and, and until it's the right time for them to sit here and hear the word, until it's right and their ears are open, you could force them in here, you know, day after day after day. They ain't going to get nothing. They're just going to get mad. That's why... Everybody say engage. That's why we've got to engage with our community. We've got to connect. We, we, we've got to, through influence, attract people to what we have. So you're not going to attract somebody to the church because they got the best this or the best that or the best thing or whatever. That's not going to attract people that will keep them. What they're attracted to is you. So you leave the comfort of this place to spend some time out there 
and engage and connect with people that don't believe any of this stuff. And so that the juices can start flowing on the inside of you with what you really believe because you don't really get challenged in what you believe until you start sharing it with other people. Because listen, the devil really don't care. He's got no power and he only has the ability that we give him. And he really doesn't care whether you go to heaven or hell. He really doesn't care whether you live to be 90 or whatever. He just doesn't want you walking in revelation. Because if he can keep you from walking in the revelation of the word, then you're not going to be used to build the church. Because Jesus said, on this rock of revelation, I'll build my church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. All he's, all, all he, all he's after is to keep you from walking in the real revelation of the word. See, because once it becomes revelation, and once you start engaging with community, it's over with. It may not be next month, or it may not be next year. It may be five years from now. But you stay with that one, man, and things just happen. They just happen. And that's why we have to constantly realize that the Great Commission was to go and make disciples. And you start by making disciples, as we've talked over the last few months. You start by making disciples, not by preaching to people, but by engaging with them and developing right relationships. And there's no end to this place right here. One day will be full, but it'll be full of people that have come because they've been attracted to the place through the good things that are in you. Amen. That's just the way it works. It's the way it worked with Jesus, and it's the way it works with us. And that's why we've got to understand it. That's why what I'm telling you tonight, what I've been preaching to you on Wednesday nights over the last two plus months are so important that you get down on the inside of you. You can't get it just one time. you got to go back and listen to it. Amen? So, so, we've been called to not be overtaken by the darkness, but expose the darkness through the creativity, through the creativity of God. God, the creativity that the Holy Spirit brings to you teaches you how to do that with people and how to liberate people so that they get liberated from darkness instead of their darkness trying to consume your light. Big difference. Luke 7. Just a couple more thoughts. Luke 7. And verse 33. Luke 7 and 33. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say, this is, this is Jesus talking to the, the religious people again of the day. John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say, he has a demon. Okay, so he wasn't a drunk, you know, he wasn't doing things from that end of the spectrum. Then the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Watch this. 
This is really good. But wisdom is justified by all her children. Listen to this in the Amplified. This is a really unique verse in the Amplified. If you you guys have that. You have it up? Can you get that up? Yeah. This This is interesting. Yet wisdom is vindicated, shown to be true and divine by all of her children, by their life, their character, and their deeds. Okay? So he said, you people come after, you came after John the Baptist and, and you know, whatever it was that he was doing, only trying to do good. And then you're coming after me and calling me a glutton and a wine-bibber. But <clears throat> watch the fruit that comes from the life I live. Because if character is being changed, if culture is being changed, if attitude is being changed, if these things are developing children and converts, if you will, then let the proof of the pudding be in, be in the eaten, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Let the proof be in who's bearing the fruit. Hmm? So don't be looking at one person and what one person may be doing or not doing and judge them by outward works. Watch the fruit of people's lives and be aware of that. And that's how we engage with, in, in culture. You know, some of the people that God has challenged me to go after are people that in the back of my mind, I had judged before I even saw them. You know, you know who those kind of people are? Every one of us has judgments about some type of a person, one person or another. And, and we won't go into all those because it may not come out right the way I say it, you know. But everybody has some form of prejudice in one way or another based on where you came from and the way you were raised. I don't care who you are. I don't, and, and it's not just about the color of a person's skin. You can be prejudiced toward a, a specific person just by the car they drive or the clothes they wear, whether they're good or they're not good. And you can have attitude towards them and already have them judged before you ever even saw them. And then you come in contact with somebody and your, your judgment has X'd them out and written them off before, beforehand because you haven't cleansed your mind of those judgments. And the way we engage in culture and community is listening to the Holy Spirit because a lot of times the Holy Spirit will say, I want you to spend time with so-and-so. What would I say to that person? What could I do? For, how could I relate to them? Huh? How, how, could, how could I handle? You, you know that Jesus related to everybody and he never lived any one of their lives? Because <laughs> see, if he spent the majority of his time with tax collectors and sinners and he never sinned, how could he relate? Why were people attracted to him? Why did people come? Because of the influence of the Holy Spirit and the anointing on his life. And he heard the voice of God and he told people what God told him to say. That's the challenge of being a Christian. That's the challenge of connecting with community. 
We connect with community out here, with people. Where I go, you won't go, and where you go, I won't go. So we're all called to do this. The Great Commission was go and make disciples, and it starts with relationship. It starts with engaging. Attraction through influence. I'm going to say it again. It starts with attraction through influence. And people don't know what it is. Anybody ever said something to you like, you know, when you don't tell people who you are or what you do, and, and I, I definitely don't like telling people that I'm a pastor because then they go into all kinds of contortions and their facial expressions change and all this kind of stuff. So I just say I'm in public relations, you know, <laughs> which I am, you know. I'm just, I'm just in public relations. I just communicate with people. I deal with people, you know. And I mean, if somebody presses me, I won't lie and I'll tell them finally. But, but I start out with some other things because I want people to not be shut off because, see, they've already got judgments most of the time about preachers. Well, yeah, he's just here for my money. That's what a lot of people think, you know, whatever. But now I rambled on and forgot what I was saying. What was the great thing I was saying? Yeah, thank you. I mean, somebody will say something over time when you've spent time, when you've gone, say, to the same place over and over and over again, and you see people, and then just out of the clear, they say, what, what do you do? You know, what is, what is it about? They're attracted to something in you that they see all the time. And, and, and what, what I've come to realize is they don't always see that in everybody. So they're attracted to that thing. So when we know who we are and we're projecting the, the presence of God through our lives... You know, people don't even know what it is, and you, most of the time, you know, you may be going through a drive-through Starbucks, or you're, you and, and you're, you got your eye on one person. That's the way I do it, and I just keep going back and back and back and back and back. I mean, it may take a year, two years, three years, whatever. You just keep going back, and one day, one day, something happens. It may not take that long. Some people are more ready, but other people, man, you gotta, you gotta cry. I mean, and 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 one guy that I saw saved not too long ago. I've been working on for over a year, and, and I, I never spent more than two minutes in that guy's presence. Maybe one time when I was in the store and I talked to him for a couple of minutes longer, but, but never more than five minutes did I ever spend with that guy in over a year. And he wanted to know what I did. And I began to share that with him. And he began to tell me things about his past and his life and what he had gone through and all this stuff. And I tell you, if you just listen to people, man, they'll tell you all kinds of things. But if you got the answers and they come to you and you share with them the answer, now now we've connected with the Great Commission. Because now, once you, because you haven't hammered them, you accepted them just like you were now, they, they just, in a supernatural way, they trust you and they don't even know you other than two minutes a day. Or two minutes every time you go through the drive-thru, you see them somewhere, wherever it is that you come in contact. But they don't even know you, and yet they trust you. And it's like, from here on out, anything that you tell them, they're probably going to believe it. So just watch what you say. You know? Well, now that you accepted Jesus, we need to get rid of all the demons out of you now. You know, then they're going to run. You know, don't be stupid. You know, just listen. 
<laughs> you know, just pay attention to the heart of people and what, what it is that they're sensing, what they're feeling. It's amazing how we can connect and engage that way. Amen? So I'll end with this. In 1 Corinthians 9, I'll end with this. First Corinthians 9 and verse 19. This is what Paul says. This is another really good verse. A little passage right here. For though I'm free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. So being a leader over people won't win them. Being a servant for people will win them. And then Jesus said, the greatest leaders are the greatest servants. So see, when you become a servant of people and you become a soul winner on purpose, and I mean winning people to God on purpose, then the kingdom of God gets advanced. It's not, by, it's not trying to lasso people and pull them into the kingdom or you know, scaring them into the kingdom for whatever reason. But, but when you've got the goods on the inside and, and people are drawn to you because you serve them and you're kind to them and you do things for them. Then we're fulfilling the Great Commission. Verse 20 says, Paul said, to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. Now watch this. I'm, I'm going to replace it with, these, with some of the things that you guys said earlier. To the retired I became like the retired that I might win the retired. To the sports people, I became like the sports people. You know, you, 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 you say, well, you know, I, I don't even like sports. Well, God may tell you to start watching ESPN 24-7 for a while to know things. And, and you may start having to Google, you know, who won the World Series in 1955 and, you know, who, how, how many runs here and there so you can talk with certain people that come in your world. Or some of the other people that we mentioned? Rehab. He said, he said, I became like a rehab, <laughs> a, a rehab person that I might win the rehabs. Amen? To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. Watch this. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things, I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker with it, with you. For the gospel's sake, for the great commission's sake, for the sake of the great commission of, of making disciples of all nations and all people. How? By the Word of God. But the Word of God, it's not you trying to get somebody to come to a place to hear Word. That doesn't attract them. I mean, it will a few people, but it's not going to attract the masses of people. The masses of people 
Let's just say in here, sitting in here right now, there's probably, what, 60 people, 70 people sitting right here? So 70 people sitting here tonight have the ability of coming in contact with 70 more people that are attracted to what's in you. So the question is, what are you doing with what you have? Are people being attracted to what's in you? So you don't even have to, you don't even have to be pretty like Brian. You don't even have to be pretty. You don't even have to be good looking. You don't even have to measure up to what the world says is so. People will be attracted to the anointing in you which is connected to the revelation of the word that you've spent time hearing and listening to. On this rock I'll build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Dang. Our community's just waiting for you. Each of us. Our community is waiting for us. It's not hard. I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to end this tonight with saying this. I'm just going to give you I'm just telling you what I've done, okay? So, what I've done is, I mean, I've, got, I've got about three ones right now that I'm working on out there. And all three of them? How you doing today? Is about all I've said. But I'm working on it. Because God's led me to them. And a couple of them, I mean, it's been seven, eight months. How are you doing today? And that's it. I haven't said another thing to them. Another one that I've been working on for two or three months, I've had more of an open door and opportunity, but no more than a couple of minutes. I'm talking about convenience stores, coffee shops, restaurants, whatever it is. And it's so easy to just go places and think about yourself. That's not fulfilling the Great Commission. Go into all the world. Go into all the world and make disciples of these people. And it starts by connecting with them, engaging with them, developing connections with people. I'm telling you, just try it. Just The next time you go in some place, the next time you buy gas maybe at a convenience store or wherever you're at, you know, don't, don't just swipe your card and run in there. Go inside and make them swipe your card or pay cash or whatever it is that you do. And who are you going to come in contact with? Who's going to touch your card? And what, what would God have you say to that one that day? Maybe not. Go on. But just be looking. Just be aware of the people that are around you and be aware of what they need from you. And I'm telling you, you need them as much as they need you because what's going to happen is it's going to draw things out of you that you didn't even know were in there. You're going to repeat stuff at times and say things that you, you, you walk away thinking, where did that come from? It came from the helper. He knew the right thing to say and he revealed that to you, but it was a result of what you've been sitting and meditating and listening to. Well, you know, Pastor, I don't want to just do, I don't want to just do what you you did. 
well, try just what I did. See what happens. You know? Holy Ghost might be in that. I mean, it doesn't mean you just have to copy every little thing, but just use, some, use examples like that and glean from them and, and make them a part of you so that you find yourself just not thinking so much about yourself as you're thinking about others. There's a lot of people in need. A lot of people. And there's no greater, there's no greater way for you to get a need met in your life than to sow a seed in someone else. And I'm just, I mean, starting with your time and your effort and the things you say and you do. Amen? Father, tonight we thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have when we gather together here. We thank you for the great freedoms we have in this awesome country to be able to gather and nobody's standing outside wondering what we're saying in here. Nobody's beating on our doors and attacking us because we're preaching truth and and, and revelation from the word that, that there are many people in this nation that don't believe in. But I thank you for the liberties and the freedom that you've given us to preach the word. We don't take it for granted. We don't take it lightly, Lord, and we embrace it tonight. But I thank you as we're talking community tonight that it's not just another pretty word and a pretty message and, you know, maybe there was a couple funny things that were said here, but it's not about that as much as it is what are we going to do with what we heard tonight? Are we just going to simply, just naturally be open people and be aware of the people that are around us and then be aware of the Holy Spirit giving us what we need to say to help people and how to direct the lives of others? Tonight, I believe for that, Father. I believe and stand in the gap for each and every person here that the greatest, the greatest way to needs being met is planting seeds of your own life. And, and you told that to the Corinthian church, where we say it here, the church here in Kerrville, Texas, gates of the city, that we just continually be seed-minded people looking to serve others and sow into others to see all the things in our own lives met because our focus is off ourselves. Tonight, Lord, we bless you. We thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you tonight. Be extremely blessed all week, and we'll see you on Sunday.